Welcome back to another Youth-Centered Podcast. Uh, today, I'm very excited to have um, a former employee for myself when she was a young high school and college student. And she has uh, obviously, over the years, has professionally become a therapist working with lots of kids and families in our area. And today, we're going to actually be talking about her work with teenagers and the teenage population. So uh, my guest today is Kim Festacrati. Kim, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Rick. Now, Kim, we've known each other for many, many years, um, and obviously I'm extremely proud of the woman you've become and mother of children now, uh, married to a great guy, and uh, obviously seen you evolve as a person from that. I never thought you were an insecure high school kid, but you were very active and you were involved with a lot of the programs we did here. And um, why don't you let people know a little bit about the bio? Obviously, I know you well, but who is Kim Festacrati? Oh, tough question. I moved to North Andover, Massachusetts in third grade and went to Kittredge Elementary. I was a Kittredge kangaroo and then went to the middle school where I first interacted with North Andover Youth Services at those beloved teen co-dances. Mm -hmm. Where uh, it was always fun when Rick and the parents used to chaperone those dances. Those were fun. And then went to North Andover High School and played a few sports, soccer, track, basketball. Um, graduated North Andover High School and worked the summer between North Andover, between high school and Villanova University as a counselor here doing some uh, summer recreational programs. And the famous camp. Reach Camp, Reach yes. Camp. And then went to Villanova for four years, um, worked each summer here at North Andover Youth Services at Reach, and then um, graduated Villanova, spent a few years, um, actually only about a year here locally in North Andover, then moved to Austin, Texas. Um, here, when I was local in North Andover, I worked for the Department of Social Services, now DCF, out in right. Salem, Mass. Then transferred out of that agency and into Austin, Texas for Child Protective Services, similar um, agency, different state, and did investigations for child abuse. And that kind of blew my mind away because um, Texas approaches Child Protective Services very differently than Massachusetts. So I uh, did that for a few years and then became a Longhorn and went to UT Austin and went and got my master's in social work, did a lot of hospital social work, um, did psych assessments in ERs, ran some nonviolence prevention groups in the middle schools out in Austin, inner city schools, um, worked for like a startup nonprofit doing that. So it was really kind of interesting to develop that curriculum, worked you know, with four individuals implementing that program um, into those middle schools and, and even high schools, and then started doing individual therapy for the city of Austin. Worked there for a number of years and then moved back to, it was a very difficult decision. We looked for houses in both North Andover and Andover and eventually moved to. She chose Andover folks and uh, we've never let her forget that. That's right. And after moving back here, that was way too many years ago, 2006. I worked um, in Lawrence for a while at MSPCC doing individual therapy in homes in the Merrimack Valley area, but had a lot of patients in, in Lawrence. And then um, 
did ER social work or ER psych assessments in Lawrence General, Holy Family. Gosh, I did it in Merrimack Valley Hospital and then worked for General Psychological Associates um, for a few days then and then have continued. So I've been at General Psychological Associates since 2009 doing individual therapy there. You uh, have an extensive uh, experience in terms of um, moving into the therapeutic field. Obviously, we joke a lot, and I remember when you were an impressionable eighth, ninth grader, and then obviously working through us. But uh, when did you come to realize? I mean, you were a daughter of a um, uh, a DEA uh, official. Um, You were involved a lot with working with police departments as a young person, not being arrested or anything, but um, obviously with your father's work. And then obviously a lot of the child services you did. When did you decide that you really wanted to get on more of the therapeutic side of everything? So yeah, I think that is great insight. So with my father was in charge of the Drug Enforcement Administration for New England. So I, you know, spent time in his office. I, um, you know, knew Bill Brush when he was a kind of a, a new police officer way back when with the Dare program, Tracy Constigliano. Sure. So I would always kind of go to these Dare activities. Um, so yes, very um, involved in human services on all areas, and then. Um, I don't know if I can actually say this on the air because it's just going to elate Rick's head way too large to fit into this room, but Rick had definitely an impact on my decision to go into the field that I was in. So um, as we all know, Rick is kind of a, how can I say it, a facilitator of resources in town, um, kind of someone who provides individual therapy, right, you know, in a kind of a a casual way or kind of an off the cuff. He's someone you can always talk to when you need something. And so during high school, he was someone um, that I would reach out to and mainly talk about um, boy troubles, I guess. (laughs) Yes, and you had a lot of them back then. And then working for North Andover Youth Services uh, for the REACH program. So the REACH was um, you had 12 to 15 kids doing um, adventure activities out in the environment, out in the community. And so you had, we had great counselors, Nick Savarese, TJ McAloon, Lewis, Jay Schaefer. Um, we all kind of were a group that spent two weeks together. So the counselors with the kids, we would take them camping overnight. We would take them to the highs, the high ropes course, the low ropes course. We'd go mountain biking in the middle of the woods. We went to state parks all over New England. And so during that process, you got to learn and help the kids that you were with. And so you were processing things all the time. We had circle after all these activities. The low ropes course was such a amazing experience to be a facilitator doing that because you talked about, you got to see at the small group and process all of their activities and, and learn from that. And so it was a, I, that's how I really fell in love with the group experience and individual work. Yeah, and you did a really great job with that. And I'm happy to say, you know, we continue to do many of those things. And uh, uh, I think you would love our 15 hour uh, staff training we do every summer now with all the 100 plus kids we hire. We do a lot of those old things that, you and Nick and Jay and all the crew that you've mentioned definitely did. Let's talk a little bit about your profession right now. Um, You're in uh, practice and you deal with lots of different, uh, you deal with families, you deal with individuals, you deal with a lot of different disciplines. But today I'm interested in talking about your work uh, with teenagers. So 
at this point in time, you know, you obviously grew up in this community. Uh, you've seen North Andover from a lot of different lenses. What are some of our teenagers that you're seeing this, these days, without getting into any personal cases? What, what are the issues we're seeing in 2019 that maybe is similar that we were dealing with in 1999 with you or, or um, and some of the ones that are very different these days? I would say that the world is a very different place than it was 20 years ago. And I see a tremendous amount of anxiety. Anxiety, depression, cutting, suicidal thoughts. Um, but I would say the number one diagnosis is anxiety. I also see a lot of um, issues dealing with um, transgender, um, gender identity issues, um, learning a lot of new terminology you know, over the past sure. few years. Um, but yeah, those are the major diagnoses I'm seeing. Yeah, and obviously a number of those issues were issues we were dealing with when you were a teenager. But, you know, we talk an awful lot about how anxiety is just off the charts now compared to, and anxiety was probably always there. Um, but to the point right now, it's just, um, it's a different world, as you said on that. Let's talk a little bit about um, dealing, dealing with some parents uh, that, you know, get into the whole, my, my child needs some therapy, they need maybe some support service. How does one go about, um, you know, the referral process? And we talked a little bit off air that, you know, we've got to probably do a better job of, you know, making sure everybody knows what kind of resources are out there, how they access it. Uh, how does that process go as when you get a referral? So, Mo, so as I get a referral or as the patient yeah, I mean, for it? Yeah, I guess from both angles. Okay. I mean, you're getting referrals, so people have actually reached out to you. But what could you give for insight for some of our parents around you know, how to actually even access to start the process of so, referral? Yeah, I, I would definitely start with my insurance company. So you, you know, as a parent, go online. They have um, online provider catalogs, so you can search for um, different specialties that a provider may have or just therapists in your area and that's where I would start so most insurances pay for individual therapy and that's probably where I would start um, there are some therapists that are private pay only but I would strongly recommend going for those individuals that you know take insurance so that's where I would start and then I would get a list of those and then um, I would look for different specialties so the big you know hot hot button word is cognitive behavioral therapy that's um, really a great treatment um, therapeutic approach that a lot of practitioners utilize and that really is um, the preferred treatment approach for anxiety and I think that is um, something that I would look for for a specialty for a specific therapist if we were talking about anxiety so going back look at all the different providers and then I would start my search and I would call the different either individual offices or as I mentioned I'm part of a group so you could call the you know the person who answers the phone the receptionist and then start from that yeah we um, we've been doing something now for over 25 years and you are actually as a high school and college kid probably helping mm -hmm. us put it together mm -hmm. uh, Kelly started it and every support services coordinator since then has updated so every year we do an updated resource guide uh, the resource guide. Kim is actually in the resource guide, but it's uh, you know hundreds of therapists, uh, agencies that are actually dealing. We try to give parents and kids uh, a handout. Uh, it's very it's a number of different pages, but it'll show 
you know, everything from what insurance is accepted to what disciplines people have expertise with, you know, you know, when their agency is open or not open. Uh, and it's a really helpful thing. So it's a good start. So from there, um, you know, obviously people call up, they get their first appointment. One of my questions that I always have for therapists like you, and it's something we've been dealing with since I started here, many of our teenagers just aren't in love with going with therapies right away. And usually their parents are forcing them to go and they aren't probably at the age cognitively and everything else that they can only understand what the importance of is right now. What's your approach when you have a kid that's coming into therapy, a teenager that doesn't necessarily want to be there? Mm. I think back on a patient I had a few years back and they did not want to speak. And so we sat and I would just talk (laughs) for most of the time, you know, about, um, ask them questions about themselves. So there are a lot of teenagers that do like to talk about themselves. So I think my approach is typically um, for those kind of resistant patients to not force anything, right? To not kind of pry, you know, hey, what is, not have your parents come in and kind of ask the parents why they're there, kind of just have an individual session with just the teenager and talk about you know, school or whatever they want to talk about. You know, sometimes we talk about sports, if it's an um, individual interested in sports, but not necessarily go right to that heart of the issue immediately. So start off with kind of building that relationship. Exactly. And how long in your experience do you think it takes for a kid, a teenager, to maybe adjust to a therapist? Uh, and I'm sure every case is very different, but what's a timeline where that kid who comes in that maybe doesn't really want to be here uh, how long does it take to maybe for you to develop a relationship with that person? Hmm, that is a tough question. So I guess it's different, you know, for, for every individual. But what I would say is you have to give it a few a few sessions. I would definitely say to give it three or four sessions with that individual. But as, as you mentioned, therapy is about the relationship with the therapist. So it's not the therapist kind of giving the patient all this information and the patient walking away with it. It's about the relationship between the two individuals. And so if there's no trust and no rapport built between those two individuals, then the actual therapy can't work or doesn't happen. Sure. How much involvement, so you're seeing a teenager, a one-on-one, how much involvement do you have with that person's parent, parents, guardian? Again, depends on the the reason for therapy, but I would say um, oftentimes the parent attends the first session and we do our intake session. So it's, you know, a lot of historical information, um, prenatal information, you know, um, what type of developmental milestones did they hit or not hit when they were young, Um, you know, any learning issues. So we involve the parent because oftentimes the child doesn't remember what they did when they were three. So medical history, um, uh, mental health history of parents and parents' families. Um, So all that kind of information is gathered at that first session. So the parent is involved at that first session. But depending on the age of the child, the parent is typically not necessarily involved. Sometimes they pop in the first five minutes of each session and just kind of say, hey, listen, I want this to happen, or this is something that got brought up um, over this past week, and then share that in front of the patient, and then they leave. And then sometimes we involve the parents at the end for planning purposes or homework. 
So we've we've consulted a few times, obviously with a, a release of information from the, the child and the parents for us to communicate. How much do you do that with like an organization like mine or, or the, the school system? So like in North Andover, would it be normal to have a relationship or at least a communication with other people? Is it, or are you dealing directly with that child and only that child? So oftentimes um, we do have a release of information for the schools. And so sometimes that is helpful for 504 plans, for IEP meeting planning, um, cons consultation with the counselors. I, I do a lot of consultation with the counselors at elementary school level, middle school level. If we're talking CBT, um, kind of coping skills, um, self-soothing activities, I wanna make sure that those patients can utilize the same skills we're working on in individual therapy in the school. So I connect with the counselor to make sure that there is that um, kind of common ground between the school and home and, and in the therapy office. Um, same with high school. So if sometimes, oftentimes, kids who are having difficulty um, at home or in the community, they're having difficulty in school. So I will kind of reach out to the counselors at school and just kind of be on the same page, even with the teacher sometimes. Like, hey, sure. this is a good way to approach this. This this kid is very anxious about X, Y, and Z. Maybe you can help them do these things. Nice. So a lot of people get confused a little bit, and uh, we talked about at the beginning here, is uh, what the youth center does in terms of counseling. We're not a licensed counseling center. Um, what we, we use the word counseling, it's very informal counseling where we will obviously have relationships with kids. Kids trust us here. Kids are willing to talk to us. And we do our own in terms of minimal assessment. And then we actually work with the parent. And if we feel that we back them up that they need to get some therapy, then we actually work with therapists like yourself to make that happen. So, you know, necessarily, you know, we don't do the actual counseling on site here, but we do a lot of referrals. And that's why it's been great to have a relationship with you and, and so many of the therapists and psychologists in our area here. And there's a, there's a lot of great great ones out here and we try to match up or at least refer to people that have had some real success with maybe some of our kids on that certain area there so um, when you deal with one-on-one -on -one, uh, there's also other forms of maybe some non-traditional therapy in terms of maybe group work or maybe um, there's some therapists that actually do more in-home therapy where they you're not coming to the to the agency per se, but maybe they're coming and doing house visits. What do you see on that type of thing? And are you involved with that at all? Mm. So I do not do group work currently. Um, obviously I mentioned I did it in, in the past. There are some groups out there. Um, some of them are faith-based groups that sure. I find. Um, some of them, some therapists will do DBT, um, dialectical behavioral therapy groups. Um, there are some groups that are part of, um, there's something called partial hospitalization program. So after kind of transitioning out of that, there's a lot of groups that come from there. But I don't know of a ton of groups that are around here, which okay. kind of stinks. The in-home therapy, um, so it really depends on the type of insurance you have. So Mass Health a lot of mass health products like mass behavioral health partnership mbhp that specific um, health insurance will pay for home visits um, they will reimburse the clinician for um, for home visits for therapy but most other traditional health insurances do not okay let me put you i said i wasn't going to put you on the spot but i'm going to put you a little on the spot without obviously getting into individual cases 
Um, what's the best day you've had as a therapist working with kids? And then give me the back end of maybe the, the toughest day of working with a teenager. Hmm. Wow, that is kind of tough. I hmm. So I, I guess I, I look back, and this is from a different community and a different state and, and a different population, but I worked with a teenager who was born um, HIV positive. And she had a very difficult time um, kind of embracing that diagnosis. So years ago, I started seeing her and she was a resistant teen to therapy and to her diagnosis and her home life was terrible. So I would say that the best day during that time of my um, therapeutic life was when she was a functioning, um, happy, well-adjusted teenager and it took two years but she finally kind of embraced her diagnosis um, was taking medication so she actually didn't have the um, the disease in her body anymore so she was undetectable and um, living on her own having a job had a, was in a relationship and I would say that that was that's very, awesome. Yeah, that was very great. What about the tough day or the frustrating day when it comes to working with a teen? Mm. Suicide attempts. Sure. <clears throat> I would say that um, those are very difficult to deal with. Um, uh, suicidality is a very real thing, um, and it's something that a lot of kids struggle with. And so uh, I would say that is the, the hardest thing to deal with. For sure. And you know, um, when you were growing up and heading off to college and everything, we had a really tough time here in North Andover when we lost two seventh graders to, to suicide and uh, how our community reacted to that and some of the things we put into place, but um, still deal with that on a regular basis here and try to get the kids as much help as we possibly can on that. Let me talk to you a little bit about um, just the whole opinion of therapy. We started off really talking about that. What would you like to say maybe to the, the parents that maybe not buy into therapy or maybe that obstinate teen? Why should someone consider therapy? It's an outside perspective. And so uh, it's, a, it's a mediator of sorts, um, but it's also an outside perspective who can be an advocate and an ally for your child. And so that individual is your child's um, you know, sounding board. It's someone that is going to have the best interest of your child and work with them on all of their, their concerns and issues. Um, oftentimes the child will, or the teen will disclose a lot of personal information to the therapist that they wouldn't necessarily disclose to the parents. That is also kind of a tricky thing based on the age of the teen as to what is disclosed to the parent. And so there's a lot of rules about confidentiality and I kind of discussed that at that first session. So, you know, if a child discloses um, drug use to the therapist, the therapist is not, um, does not have to disclose that to the child to the parent and sure. so sometimes um that gets a little uncomfortable for the parent and obviously that the therapist would advocate you know for honesty with the family but that is something at least the therapist will know this information and can help the child and, or the teen find kind of safe ways to deal with that and obviously the goal is to decrease the amount of of drug use or alcohol use but um i always find that kind of tricky same with sexual activity 
um, the oftentimes the child or the teen will disclose that to a therapist but would not disclose that to a, a parent sure now you grew up in North Andover and you've talked um, and I'm, I appreciate and very grateful for the words you said about obviously our relationship and you growing up here you now live in our, our sister community of Andover and you've worked obviously with my my associate over in Andover Bill Fahey of the Andover Youth Services as a therapist as a person that's actually lived in both communities what would you say to maybe people like me and Bill in terms of teens this day what do what do we need to maybe do more um, based on the cases that are coming across your desk take it seriously right I think um, as I mentioned it's a very different world so some of the major concerns that I have about our current community is social media uh, you know I have sixth graders in my office talking about how <clears throat> kids are getting bullied over social media texting um, it never turns off right? right so our access to technology is great however it can be a huge problem in the development of our children so when we were growing up um, we didn't have that type of technology and so you got bullied in the in the cafeteria, you didn't get bullied while you were laying in bed at 11 p.m. at night. So I, I would say take everything seriously. Um, parents, parent involvement, I think, has increased by 200%. Something recently I observed, I was at a North Andover High School track meet watching my, my nephew compete, and I was just um, overwhelmed with the number of fans. And so there were hundreds of parents there. Obviously, me and my entire family were there. And um, there, you know, so there's a tremendous amount of support, but there's also a tremendous amount of pressure. So when I was growing up and I was at a soccer game at four o'clock over at Hayes Stadium, there were like five parents there, you know, right. and so there, there's a tremendous amount of pressure um, by parents just being that involved in every aspect of the child's life, um, obviously, but turn that into maybe just being a little bit more supportive as well. So I think that contributes to anxiety. Um, and I also think the, the access to technology does, does as well. So I think for you and Bill, it's, which I think you do, is you know take all threats seriously. Um, you guys have an amazing, um, both of you have great buildings, and so kind of pay attention to those individuals that are off to the side or um, and include them, which I think you, you both do, because uh, I think that's really hard. Is um, I hear friend group, the phrase friend group all the time. It's really difficult for kids to kind of navigate different friend groups, and once you're kind of part of one friend group to switch to another, it's hard, and there's a lot of pressure associated with that. So I think you all have kind of some... Um, the play here is not always structured, so you have some unstructured time here, and so... Sure kind of maybe get involved in that unstructured time to make sure everyone's included. That's good feedback. Mm -hmm. Definitely talk to Bill about that too. We need to actually uh, wrap up the podcast shortly, but I got two, two more questions for you. Um, and you, st you talked pretty eloquently about this, but um, seeing you grow up from that, and I can say this because I remember you as a middle school kid, <laughs> kind of an unsure middle school kid into, grew into a very confident late high school person and, and, 
and then obviously off to college. What do you think um, in growing up in this community and being very close with us, and you, you're you so in the past that you actually still refer to us as North End of Youth Services <laughs> when our title is really North End of Youth and Recreation Services. But what was growing up in North Andover, maybe the school system, your involvement with the, the youth center, um, how did that sh- help shape who you are today as a, a, a thriving therapist in our region? Mm. Um, I guess something that just popped into my head was the kind of thought of giving back, right? You always had kind of programs where there were mentors, um, where older kids were hanging out with younger kids, um, in kind of a mentor type situation. There were, um, whoever was employed were running the field trips, were sometimes chaperones at the Tinko dances. I think that was helpful. Um, Gosh, so in middle school, it was, um, we had great teachers. I think those, you know, teachers are instrumental in kind of guiding the youth and, and being supportive for them. They see a lot of things that, you know, parents may not see. So I think having great teachers in the community was helpful. Um, and obviously I don't need to say this to North Andover, but being involved in sports, you know, I think having, have being part of any activities, not necessarily have, that doesn't have to be sports, but you know, whether it's a robotics club or a chess club, but having a group to participate in events with, I think is, was really helpful. Um, I look back fondly. I, I still play soccer with some of the girls I played soccer with in high school, which is really kind of a neat thing. Right. One of my greatest memories will be driving and remember the 15 passenger blue vans, um, which we had the kids and, uh, you know, you in the front seat with, uh, Nick Savarese, who's now the executive director of the Doug Flutie, uh, uh, autism foundation. And, uh, you guys were just happy go lucky high school kids with, um, Pearl Jam's Black uh, on volume <laughs> 10 in the in the van, but those were well, those were great days, and obviously you've all gone on to be very successful young adults. Last question for you. We like to give you the final word. Uh, what would you say, you know, you talked about a lot of the issues that kids are facing these days, you know, a lot of the stresses, the anxiety is pretty clear. Um, as a final word, what do you say to our parents and to our kids um, as they go forward in dealing with these issues? Mm. Don't be afraid to um, have a therapist. I think that it's it's very helpful to have someone who would be motivated to guide your child in, towards self-improvement in whatever shape or form that is. I think that we all have something that we can work on or improve on, and I think that third party can really help. Um, it's really important that all youth have the skills that they need to be successful in life, whether it's in college or um, you know, whatever they, they transition to after high school. <clears throat> so we, while they're in your home and in your community, help them have the skills, help them learn how to get the skills that they need to be successful when they're living on their own. Very well said. Well, you know what I think of you. I love you. You've, you've done amazing work. You continue to do it and raising a nice young family there. And my only issue with you is just still living in Andover and not North Andover. We'll see if we can adjust that. But thank you very much for coming on the podcast to talk about this issue. Thanks for having me, Ray. And as we always end every podcast, we always say too much passion is not enough passion. <laughs>